We're in a series on uh, the book of Proverbs, and we've been going through some certain topics from uh, Proverbs, and we talked a couple weeks ago about friendships and how important it is that we're walking with wise people, that our inner circle, the people we're surrounding ourselves with, that they're, they're encouraging us to walk with Christ. They're encouraging us to walk and follow God's word, because if we walk with wise, we'll be wise. If we walk with foolish people, we're going to follow them down a path of destruction. So who we walk with is so, so important. And then last week we talked about conflict and how to deal with conflict. Because there's conflict all around us and in, in how that we can, as, as believers, how we should handle it when it comes up. And today we're going to talk about marriage. And what does the Bible say about marriage? We're going to talk about how to have a better marriage. And we've done in the past, like, you know, mo- a couple months, like series on, on this. And so, you know, it could be, you know, obviously like some of the things we're going to say today is more of an overview, but I hope that as we see biblically, these principles, yes, they apply in every relationship. Today, we're going to specifically look at not just Proverbs, but a few passages in Proverbs that talk about um, really our relationships and in, in then apply. What does that look like in marriage. So maybe you're here, you're not married. And um, honestly, like here, here's what I'm proposing today is this, that it is these, these truths are probably more important to you now, because these are the foundations that you yourself want to, to make sure that you're building upon um, instead of just having this pursuit of, oh, I have to find a spouse. I have to find the right one. No, it's be the person that God wants you to be by his grace through his spirit, be that person. And then God, God's going to bring that person for you. So maybe you're here and honestly, it's a sensitive subject because maybe you were married and, and you've split up and that we understand like, look, that can be something that's really sensitive. And I just want to, to be clear that we're not here to be a burden to you. Like, thank God because of his grace, his mercy, that, you know, that all of us have made mistakes in the past and that the blood of Christ covers that. And so this isn't to be a burden to anyone about their past, but it is for all of us to consider right now, the present, where we're at in our relationships and particularly marriage relationships, how we can build those upon Christ. So first and foremost, it's so important to understand this, that we must start with God. We must start with God. He is the center, he's the center of, of all relationships. In fact, Proverbs chapter one talks about it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. But only we, we have to start with that. Otherwise, no other relationships are gonna are, are gonna be what they should be. So, so in other words, it's like this: the the want to must precede the how-to. Now we're going to talk about some how-tos, and there's some really good um, material that's out there, really good teaching material that talks about marriage and, and talks about some of the how-tos, and like, I affirm those things, and those things are good. I'm not belittling those things. Those things can be really, really helpful in our relationships and in our marriage. What I'm proposing is this, that none of the how-tos work if there's not the want-to, and maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've been in a marriage or a relationship where you've wanted it to work and you've wanted to build it on Christ, but you've had a spouse that just simply hasn't. And all the how-tos, hey, they can be good, but they're not going to be effective. 
What really is the ultimate problem is that there needs to be a change of heart. There's got to be the want to, and that comes from God. That comes through the Holy Spirit of God working in hearts and changing hearts and us submitting to the Holy Spirit in our life and heart. So years ago, when I was pastoring with my father in Geneseo, I was, I'd met a couple and befriended them and got to know this, this couple pretty well and was, um, they, they had just started coming to our church. And so they were having some, um, just some, some problems in their marriage. And so I was encouraging them to come talk to my father. I said, look, I, I think it'd be helpful for you guys to come and get some marriage counseling. Um, and, you know, my father's done, done quite a bit of this. And, and, and again, at the time, like, he, um, you know, I, I was quite a bit younger. And so, uh, so I encouraged them. I said, like, look, I think he's going to be more equipped uh, to be able to help you. And so, so I was able, I actually sat in on the counseling appointment just because I knew this couple and, um, and so I, I, I basically set this up for them. And, and, and I remember finding myself extremely frustrated in this appointment because my father was like, like going on and on about, you know, your walk with God and your relationship and how much time are you in the word of God. And I'm thinking like, I, I, I filled them in on what was going on. Like, you know, why are, why, are we ta- why are we talking about these things that are really not what the core root issue is of what this couple is going through? And, and I remember after, after we're talking to my father and, and, and a little bit frustrated, like, hey, I filled you in on what was going on. How can, we never, how can you never even brought some of those things up? And he said, look, those things will come. We'll get to those things. But he said, if the relationship's not going to be built, first and foremost, upon Christ, those other things aren't going to work. In other words, he was saying the want to has to come before the how to. And that's really true with anything in life. Like, you know, if if you have like zero desire um, to work on cars, like you can find the best mechanic around who's a great teacher and he could show you all these things and train you. But if you have zero interest, like you have no desire at all to work on cars, like you just, you, you, you just despise it and don't have any interest in it. Well, look, the how-tos aren't going to be that important if you don't have a want to, right? And so when it comes to our, our relationships, when it comes particularly to marriage, this is important that the, the want to comes before the how-tos. And we see that, we see that in Scripture. In Ephesians 5, it's one of the classic marriage passages that many times, like at weddings, I'll almost always reference Ephesians 5 because it's just, again, it's just like really specific about marriage and about husbands and wives and about what that relationship looks like with with loving each other and preferring each other and honoring each other. It's all always go there, but, but what's important to know, like that picks up towards the end of the chapter. Leading up to it is how we're following Christ. What leads up to that is how we're submitting to the Holy Spirit in our life and yielding to the Holy Spirit, changing us and transforming us. In other words, what, what, what we see there is it, it starts with the heart. It starts with our relationship with God. And if we don't start there, none of the other relationships are going to work out. And so that's important. We're going to look at some how-tos. But it's important to understand it starts with the want to. It starts with God. It starts with God working in our hearts to want to. 
Because again, it, maybe you found yourself frustrated before in, in relationships. Where like, there's someone that in, in, in the relation that, that you just don't see, they don't have a desire to want to change. It's like you can tell them all these things to do, but they don't really want to do it. And so it doesn't work. So before we get into the how-tos, it's important that we understand it starts with the want-to. It starts with God. Why? Because the fear of the Lord, right? This respect and awe, this relationship with God, that's the foundation. And, and look, we really believe that. And that's primarily why here at Crosspoint, like our style of, of ministry and teaching is primarily where we'll go verse by verse through books of the Bible. Now, like right now, we're in a topical series on Proverbs, and we've done topical series on marriage and parenting and other things, other apologetic things like that. And so like topical messages and series can sometimes be, sometimes be helpful, um, but we primarily, like 90% of our teaching and preaching is we take a book of the Bible and we go verse by verse through the book of the Bible. And you know what's amazing is we see the sufficiency of scriptures. We see as we're going through a book of the Bible, how amazingly relevant that it is. And, and the timing is always amazing. Like I have had multiple, multiple times, like I'm not exaggerating this, multiple times where someone will come up to me and say, man, that sermon was exactly what I needed. I feel like you're talking to me. It's like, well, we planned this series months ago and we just happened to be at this place, in this book, at this chapter, going over this series of verses. And, and, and my point is this, that like, we believe that the, the scripture is sufficient, that the power of the spirit of God, as we're teaching and preaching and reading the word of God is sufficient for all of life's problems and all of life's issues. So when I say that, like, not that we're, we do it perfectly, but, but my point is this, like, we truly believe. We truly believe this when we say the want to, the start starting with God, like, that's where that must be our foundation. So start with God. Secondly, make your spouse your best friend. So two weeks ago, we talked about friendships and how important they are in life because the people that we're friends with we invest that time with them. They invest time with us and that shapes how we walk. That's why Proverbs says, if we walk, if we do life with wise people, we're going to be wise. But on the contrary, foolish people are going to lead us to destruction. And when it comes to our marriage, this is so, so important that we invest in that relationship. We invest in that relationship. And look, our culture has it backwards. Right? It's about just sleep with whoever you want, whenever you want, and then, then we'll work on those other things later. But that's actually not God's plan. That's not God's plan. In fact, I would propose this. If you're not married, you even more so need to be investing in those friendship relationships. Get to know someone. And, and a lot of times, like we're talking to like teens, and, and some of you guys know, like I was a youth pastor for like nine like nine years. And so, you know, we talk about a lot of these topics, but look, this is really, really applicable um, to anybody that's single, to anybody that's single. A lot of times with, with teenagers, we'll talk about, look, now's the time form friendships. Don't think you have to be in this exclusive dating relationship when you're 14, like you know, become friends with people and let's, let's teach our children how to act um, with the opposite gender and let, let's do those things. But but let's teach them about the importance of friendship. And so the same thing is true with our marriage. We need to invest in that relationship. 
Invest in spending quality time together, getting to know one another. Our culture and society uses the word friend so loosely, right? Like, oh, I've got thousands of friends on Facebook. You know, look, they're, they're not all your friend, right? They're not all your friend. Because when you move, they're not going to show up to help you. you. You know somebody's a friend if when you move, they show up and load boxes or show up and pick up the other end of the couch. Like, that's a, true, that's a true friend. But all these thousands of friends, like, when you need something, guess what? They're not there for you. They're not there for you. Because we use that, that very loosely. Like, oh, I have all these friends. But I'm talking about invest in your spouse. Invest in that time. Find things like you enjoy just doing together. And again, yeah, there's going to be some things where maybe you enjoy your spouse doesn't, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, and that's where, um, you know, we need to be flexible with, with each other and recognizing, okay, like, you know, my, my spouse may not like, or, or I may not enjoy doing this, but I want to be honoring to my spouse. And if they enjoy it, like let them do what they enjoy. But, but the point is this, find stuff you can do together, invest in that relationship as husband and wife, work on your friendship. Work on your friendship. Do life together in a meaningful way. Find common interests and hobbies that you can pour into and do life together. Invest in that friendship. So start with God. Start with God. Make your spouse your best friend. Thirdly, live a lifestyle of repentance and forgiveness. Of repentance and forgiveness. And we see this all over, not just in Proverbs, in the scripture about repenting, admitting we're wrong. That can be frustrating in a relationship if someone never admits when they're wrong. Or maybe they admit it, but they never change. Oh, I'm sorry. And then they do the same thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, okay, that's admitting. Well, Pro Proverbs says this. It says that if we cover our sin, we're not going to prosper. But whoso confesseth, that's admitting and forsaketh. That's repentance. There's a change. We'll find mercy. And, and that's so, so important in marriage. And here's why. Because we're, we're sinners. We're sinners. Now we're being sanctified, amen? But we're sinners. And so sometimes I think that we look to our spouse as a savior. Your spouse hopefully is a great friend, but they make a horrible savior. They make a horrible savior. Why? Because they're sinners. Now, again, I'm not saying this in the sense of like um, allowing someone who is like consistently unfaithful or maybe in a situation where, where there's a, abuse. I'm not saying that like let someone hide behind that. Like, oh, well, nobody's perfect. Yeah, well, there's also people that are really toxic and evil, right? That, that we, we shouldn't be in, in, in those relationships. It shouldn't be in those situations. We don't want to become an enabler. What I'm talking about is that like, Look, in our marriage, like there's faults and there's flaws in our life. And there's going to be times you're going to let your spouse down. Because you're human. Your spouse is going to let you down. Look, as, look, as a pastor, like, look, I, I sincerely want to be the best pastor I could be. And I want to be the best friend I can be. But I promise you this, I'm going to let you down. I probably already have let you down. Because I make a horrible savior. And as a spouse... You can't look at your spouse as like, and many times it's, we'll talk about this in just a, a few minutes, but like we sometimes can have these unreasonable expectations. We're like, we're almost demanding perfection from someone, but we ourselves aren't even close to living up to that. Live a life of repentance and forgiveness. Live a life of repentance and forgiveness.
So repentance. Like if, if when, you, when you bring things up to your spouse or when your spouse brings something up to you, and like you should have a, a heart that's humble that wants to change. Because again, like it's really frustrating, right? If, if, if you bring up an issue and you see no change and no attempt to change. It just, it, it, it's the opposite of hope. It's hopelessness. But breathe hope into your spouse and into your marriage. When there is something that you bring up that you know is something that's a big deal to your spouse, don't shatter your spouse. Again, that can work both ways, husband or wife. Don't shatter that hope by not even showing them that you're attempting to change. Like maybe your spouse brings up to you about like, hey, we don't spend quality time together. We need to set aside time to spend quality time. And then you look at the calendar in the next like two months, there's like no, nothing in that calendar reveals any attempt of trying to block out that time for quality time together. What does that do? Well, that, that can make someone feel hopeless, defeated. It's not breathing hope into each other. It's actually breathing hopelessness. So we need to be humble. We need to live a lifestyle in our marriage of repentance, admitting when we're wrong. And then by God's spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit, not just our own strength and us, us trying harder, but through his spirit, through God changing us to change, to change. Don't keep repeating that same thing. And then forgiveness, forgiveness. Again, like I, I think sometimes because we want to hold on to the exception we want to hold on to the exception like, well, I'm just enabling them. Okay, sometimes that could be. And we need to be cautious with that about forgiveness. You know, forgiveness doesn't mean you allow sin and you become an enabler. Uh, but a lot of times I think we hold on to that exception and, and we allow bitterness to creep into our hearts. And maybe there's bitterness towards your spouse. That's just creeped in. It's just been resentment over time. Resentment over time. Or, or maybe it's something your spouse has confessed. Maybe it's something that your spouse, you, they're, they're truly trying to, to, to change something in their life, but you constantly hold that over them. And anytime there's, anytime there's an argument, right? You just, you, you, you go back to something and, and hold and hold that over them. You hold that over them. But yet forgiveness, and, and many times I think it's because we look at forgiveness at the finish line instead of the starting line. Now that's true when it comes to trust, right? Trust is built on like a, a rapport. Like you have to see change. You have to see a pattern to build trust. Otherwise you, you don't have have trust, especially when it's been broken, right? It takes a lot of time to rebuild that. But when it comes to forgiveness, my fear is this. A lot of times we put it at the finish line. Well, when this and if this and all of these things happen, then I'm going to forgive. But what I'm challenging you today to do is this. Put it at the starting line. Put it at the starting line. Be willing to forgive. Don't allow bitterness to creep in. Don't allow bitterness to destroy your marriage, destroy your relationship. Live a lifestyle. And again, this has to be a lifestyle of repentance and forgiveness. And thank God, when we repent, we have that forgiveness. We have grace. We have mercy. Number four, communicate clearly. Communicate with your spouse. So much of what we've already talked about, especially last week when it comes to conflict, so much of communication. And like, you know, we could go through like, 
probably dozens of verses in Proverbs that talk about the importance of communicating more in a general aspect. But this is vitally important when it comes to, comes to communicating with our spouse. Communicate clearly. I love this verse in Proverbs. It says that a word fitly spoken, it's like apples of gold and pictures of silver. A word fitly spoken. This is, you know, saying something at the right time in the right way. And a lot of times when we don't say, or maybe we say something at the right time in the wrong way, or we, we say something at the right time, but it's in the wrong way that we say it, you know, and, and it leads to more conflict. But when it comes to communicating with our spouse, uh, we need to do it clearly. We need to do it clearly. Last week, we talked about Proverbs 15, 1 a little bit, where it says a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words, like angry fighting, words, like it's going to stir up, it's going to stir up more anger. It's going to stir up more conflict. So how we communicate, and you guys know what that is, right? Because you know how like defensive you get when somebody starts to get a little attitude with you. And it's not even what they say, but it's just the way they say it. It's like the way they say it. Like, like it is recently, like, I, I won't share it I, because of, of confidentiality. Like, like I, it's kind of funny to me. It's not, it wasn't a big deal, but somebody just recently, they, they said something. It's just like, man, the way they said it to me, the way they said it to me was like, oh, just like this little jab. You know, like I wasn't doing something that they wanted me to do in the, in the time they wanted me to do it. And so they, you know, kind of threw that little jab, just the way they said it. And you know, that, that can happen sometimes. That can happen sometimes when we're communicating as husband and wife. We, we communicate not in a, a, a loving, respectful way. So how we communicate matters. Here's what the book of James says. James, in the New Testament, it's known as the wisdom book of the New Testament. And it says this, let every person, or let every man be, be uh, quick. To hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Right? Communication is more than just talking. It's actually listening to what people are saying. Listening to what people are saying. Be a good communicator. Communicate clearly. Communicate clearly. And by the way, this is so important. If you're here and you're single. You're here before you get married. Look communicate clearly. Get to know someone. Get to know someone. How do you do that? By communicating, by listening, by talking. Become a good communicator. But here's what a few um, hopefully practical things with communication. It should be frequent. It should be frequent. Set aside time to communicate. And, and hopefully what in, in our marriages we get to where we're just like we just constantly are communicating clearly with our spouse. But if you don't have that like, there's nothing wrong with just setting aside a specific time and saying, okay, this, this day, this time, we're going to talk, and I'm going to listen to what you have to say. And, and again, maybe there's times where there's, there's no, like, you know, big issues going on, but maybe there is. And maybe you just set, that side of time, set aside the time to say, look, I'm going to listen, and we're not going to attack each other. We're going to lay the ground rules. We're not going to attack each other. We're going to actually talk about what are the problems and what are the issues. We're going to have here, these certain things are off limits. Like we're not going to, you know, say the, the, the triggering things that we know is just going to make our spouse so angry that they're not going to hear a word we say after that, right? Lay those, those, those ground rules, but communicate clearly. Communicate and have focus. Be focused. Turn off the TV, put away the phone, make eye to eye contact, face to face, actually listen to each other and communicate 
to each other. Communication should be frequent. It should be focused. It should be respectful. And this one is huge because the problem is this. Sometimes, like, we'll say things and they need to be said, but, you know, back to, like, the way we say it, the tone and how we're saying it can just absolutely shut down any, like, real communication because of the way we say it, because we're not being respectful in how we say it. Again, like, we, we know those people. Hopefully that's not us. Maybe sometimes it is, but we know those people where it's just like, again, the way they say things, just like, oh, it, it just triggers you because, like, you know, they're, it just really comes across really rude, really arrogantly. And when it comes to, like, like our, our spouse, we need to communicate in a respectful way because sometimes, like, we can ignore an issue, ignore something that needs to be talked about. And it's like, you know, it's like ignoring the elephant in the room. But it's like, hey, we can't ignore it. But we do ignore it because we don't want there to be this huge blow up in argument. Right? But we're just delaying the inevitable. It's going to blow up. It's something we can't ignore. We have to deal with. Like that's what we talked about last week with handling conflict. We need to go directly to the person. We can't just ignore it and hope it works itself out. So we need to make sure we're doing it. But the problem is sometimes we ignore it. Or on the, the flip side, it's just like a big explosion. A, a huge explosion. Like, it's, this was several years ago. Nobody here at Crosspoint, but I was talking to a couple and trying to find out, like, okay, what's going on? What's the issue? And, and that, that was a mistake. I mean, they just started unloading at me, like, about each other. It's like, okay, you know they're sitting right there, right? And, the, and then they look at each other. And then they're just going, like, for, for like five minutes, I kept trying to interrupt. I kept trying to interrupt to steer the conversation back to a more, um, to, to, to more respectful. But they, and I said this, finally, I said this, look, guys, like, this is really revealing of a big problem. Like you guys are saying things that do need to be said because these are obviously things that are really bothering you and you need to be able to express that. The problem is you're communicating in a way that's really, really um, disrespectful to each other. And so neither one of you are even listening to the other person. And that's important when it comes to communication because we can't ignore the difficult conversations that we need to have. Right? We have to have those. But we have to be able to do it in a respectful way. And that's why I said, like, maybe it's going to seem really weird and awkward if you're not used to having these conversations. But do whatever it takes. Again, and that, that's, again, my prayer, my desire is the want to. That God puts that want to. We're going to say, you know what? We're going to have these conversations. And here's the ground rules. You know, we're not going here. We're not going to raise our voice. Right? We're not going to attack each other, but we're going to talk about the issues. And you go first, and I'll listen. I'm not going to interrupt. I'm going to let you talk. And maybe I need to ask for more clarity, but I'm going to let you talk. And then vice versa. Then be willing to listen. Be willing to listen. Communication, how we talk to each other. And again, this is really foundational when it comes to even like investing in our relationship and our friendship with each other. So communicate clearly. And then lastly, uh, communicate respectfully. Lastly, build trust. Build trust. This is so key in, in, in our marriage that we build trust. You're, you're going to destroy your marriage if you're living on secrecy and there's no accountability and you're going behind your spouse's back and talking to people. And again, a lot of times we, we can rationalize and justify like, oh, it's not that big a deal. But, but, but maybe for you, like that's, 
That's a real issue right now in your marriage. Is that, you know, and maybe like, well, I didn't cheat on him. No, maybe not physically, but emotionally. I mean, maybe it's someone you're in this secret, like, texting relationship with. And somebody from work or somebody that, that you've met. And, and, and again, it might start out it's seeming like it's harmless. But it's actually going to destroy your marriage. It's going to destroy your marriage. Build trust in your marriage. Be trustworthy. There, there shouldn't be secrets that you, that you keep from, from one another. Like, right? Yeah, there can be surprises. Like, you know, surprise, you know surprises in a good way. But not, not secrets. Not secrets. Build trust. Proverbs 5. I encourage you to go home and read Proverbs 5. Like, I mean, in like really, really bold, clear language. I mean, like, it's not holding anything back. Warns. Warns about the danger of unfaithfulness in marriage. Warns about, in the context in Proverbs 5, it talks about a, a strange woman. Basically, it's just a woman that's trying to seduce, seduce a man who's married. And again, that, could, that goes both, both ways, right? Like that, the application is that that can happen both ways. But it warns the, of us of the danger of unfaithfulness. Talks about, oh, it looks good and looks pleasurable. And of course, like when it comes to any sin, there's pleasure in it for a season of time. That's why it's a temptation, right? If it, if it wasn't enjoyable at the moment, if it wasn't some pleasure in it, well, it wouldn't be a temptation. It wouldn't be something that we would struggle with. But it warns about, look at the end. It says her guests are in the depths of hell. In other words, this is a path of destruction. It's a path of destruction. And maybe you've experienced that. A spouse, someone that was unfaithful to you. And you know the devastation that that brings. Now again, thank God. Like there's repentance. There's forgiveness. Amen. Like thank God for his mercy, his grace. But, but what I'm saying is like, look, from the, and I'm not trying to be a burden to anybody that maybe is experienced, you yourself have experienced this and, and been the, the sinner, or maybe you've been sinned against, and I'm not trying to bring up something that, that is really hurtful, but I am saying the importance of this from this day forward, where you're at right now, build trust with each other, build trust with each other in your, in your marriage. If you're not married, you know, as you start to, to, to get to know someone and maybe date someone, like, Look for those warning signs. Like, is this a trustworthy person? Is this a trustworthy person? Is this someone that, I mean, is, is the communication open? Are they, do I get this feeling that they're like, you know, completely like, you know, cheating on? Like, those things are important. Those things are important. If you are married, build trust in your marriage. Don't, don't be deceived of, of thinking, oh, well, this is harmless. My spouse doesn't really know about this. What she doesn't know or what he doesn't know isn't going to hurt him. And it's innocent and... Again, Proverbs 5 warns us, warns us that's a destructive road and it won't just hurt you. It won't just hurt your spouse. If you have children, it'll devastate them. It'll hurt them. Don't go down that path of unfaithfulness to someone that's not your spouse. And again, maybe you've experienced that you've been, you've been through that. Thank God, you know, for, for his mercy, for his grace, you know, in rebuilding that trust, that takes time. It's possible. Amen. It's possible. But it takes time. It takes time. And that is a lot of grace and a lot of patience. Probably reaching out to other godly Christians that can help you in that process of rebuilding that. But build, 
build trust in marriage. I hope that some of these thoughts today from God's word are things that could, that, that are going to be helpful. Maybe you're here thinking like, man, I'm married and my marriage is going great. Amen. Thank God for that. Right? Like that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Um, but, but don't be lulled to sleep spiritually in thinking that we don't need to constantly be investing into our marriage. That we need to constantly be building our marriage upon God's truth and God's word. Because we have an enemy that wants to destroy us, wants to destroy our families, wants to destroy our marriages. And, and none of us are, are, are above uh, realizing that, like, hey, look, that by, by God's grace, like, our marriage could be destroyed if we're not following God's word, if we're not walking in the spirit, if we're not relying upon God as the center of what we're building on. And maybe you're here today and it's frustrating because you, you want to build it on Christ and, and, and your spouse doesn't. And look, I totally get like that's, that's one of the most difficult things. But don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Be the person you know God wants you to be. Continually pray for your spouse. Because again, it's got to be the want to. It's got to be God working in their heart. If they're not a believer, that's really where it starts with, with them coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then from there, putting these biblical principles into our marriage.